Football cards, football cards, football cards. It's what we do all day, every day, baby. Collecting, investing. He's Andy. I'm Carter. I'm fired up because I got a lot of Odell cards to sell, baby. I can't wait to see where he goes next. Depending on where you're watching this, he could be with the Packers by now. He could be with the Seahawks by now. But Andy, we want to start today's question with a very basic question. And notice a word that we use there basic right we're going to talk about base cards you you, you know you love that dad joke you know you love the dad joke man hey man I, I do i can get down with the dad jokes for sure but uh i know you talking about base cards and there's a sentiment that's been going around the hobby this year and that is that base cards are dead you know and for a lot of people that are uh, more on the budget flipping side of things, base cards have been a staple in their, their investment portfolio for the last year or two. Right. And you know, we're not the first podcast to talk about this. Right. And the funny thing is when you use the word dead, it's like a very definitive thing, right? It's no, I mean, I don't think base cards will ever just be dead, but the thing is, Andy, and this is something that you've preached on your channel is as the hobby has matured, people that grew up in the card collecting community that got back into the hobby, all they knew were base cards, right? And they didn't know that in the modern day that you have all these parallels and numbers and that existed before, but it's just far more exotic now to, for lack of a better word. It's, it's very interesting though, what have you seen in your research as far as base cards versus shinier parallel cards in general? Well, sure. It, and I would say, first of, first and foremost, it really depends on which year of cards you're investing in. Because when you go back in time, like we talked about, that was what we knew growing up in the 90s. That, that was really it. I mean, there's base cards, there's very few parallels and inserts. And um and, and then you fast forward to 2000s and you look at a guy like Adrian Peterson or Aaron Rodgers, you know, from the mid 2000s or even Matt Stafford 2009. And there still wasn't a lot of parallels. And their base card is uh, you see a lot of transactions on that card because there's just not a ton of those listings of the base card. And uh, you still see the the base Chrome card, you know, having more a higher value to it, a higher investment value to it. And I think that's kind of the same today. When I got in, I didn't realize the extent of how many different sets were being released. Because when you go to a Walmart or Target, you're only presented with one or two sets at a time. But every week, every other week, you know, it seemed like Panini was releasing a new set. And in each of those new sets that's released in retail would be a base card. And I think some base cards from some sets are like very, they're never going to get above, you know, worth a dollar or two, even with, with uh, Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow or some of these elite quarterbacks. And that's where we're going to get into. And, and trust me, we're going to get to the new releases. We all want to talk mosaic and all that stuff. But this is where that word base comes into the equation, right? When you think base, you don't get excited, right? You think basic, right? And it's weird because before this episode, we were talking about a word, gold, 
right? Mm-hmm. Whenever you hear the word gold, you think, wow, it's shiny. It's great. We all know gold normally means good. And you saw it this weekend with a Kyler Murray card that went for $68,000. His gold vinyl rookie and wasn't even a one of one. It was a, a five of five. And Andy, I've seen this, whether it be Kaboom inserts or whatever, that word gold is starting to carry some some serious weight. Yeah, yeah, gold has become very popular. But what is also typically in 99% of scenarios tied to gold is a serial number. And the serial number is going to be less than 10. So you, you have that, you know, nice gold, shiny element to the front of it. Uh, but it's almost always carried with a serial number of less than 25, sometimes 10. Sometimes in this Kyler Murray case, it was out of five. And uh, when you have a card that rare that's in an appealing you know, finish to it, that's when the values get way out of control, especially when they're then graded to a high grade like this Kyler Murray was to a PSA 10. So it, it was all the high-end, super high-end collectors and investors in the hobby were after it because it's only a population of one in PSA database for this card. But and, and it just it goes back to the set. Like this was a prism as well. You know, a gold out of like absolute is not probably going to be as valuable as the kaboom from absolute. You right. know, when you look at different sets, they each have like their their super iconic card that you want to target that's going to have the highest uh, value associated with it because it's going to be the most desired within the hobby. But then you look at a base card from absolute. I mean, they they load that product up. Last year, you could get a, a fat pack of Absolute, and you'll pull 20 rookies out of it, base rookies. And with that many printed, they're just never going to really go, jump out of that that tier of being worth a, a dollar or two. You know, you're always going to find those, even though they got a rookie card logo, they're always going to be in that dollar or two bin, and unless maybe 20, 30 years down the road, they you know they become scarce at some point for some reason. You know, then maybe, but you got to have that scarcity element to the card for it to really take a, a significant jump in that resale value. And the thing about gold cards is they're always going to have demand, right? Because look, if you're a professional athlete, you're going to have at least 10 diehard fans out there. Like, it's just always true. Like, I, I, I grew up uh, a fan of a basketball player named Ronnie Brewer. Right. And he was just a role player and he was from Arkansas. And I was like, God, I don't I don't even like basketball cards all that much, but it would be kind of cool to get a Ronnie Brewer gold card or insert player names card. And that's the thing about a gold card. Number one, you have the word gold attached to it. Number two, you have that scarcity aspect. You compare that with the word base where it's not numbered and it's not shiny and there's always going to be hundreds of, of base cards out there. It, it, especially with more modern cards, Andy, it does matter. Now, are base cards dead? No, we, we're not saying that they're dead. Collect what you want to collect, like what you want to like, and you still can make good flips on base cards. I, I had an offer to get four Joe Burrow base prism rookies for – $35 each before the season, kicking myself for not doing it, right? It, it would have been an easy slam dunk flip or whatever. But 
so there there is room. It's just it's not going to be as high a room. I guarantee you the person I got that Patrick Mahomes gold vinyl, they more than likely any they had to pay probably a year or so ago. I would guess they probably had to pay two or three K for that, which, you know, th- that's just me throwing a number out there. But it does give you a higher ceiling, per se, when you get a gold or a super rare card. Yeah, absolutely, because those high-end collectors, when they see that big performance, they've clearly got disposable cash <laughs> at their, you know, in their pocket. And, uh, man, they want to get those super rare cards like the golds, the, the case hit inserts like the kabooms, the downtown, stuff like that. And they're willing to reach for these cards in a lot of cases, too, because you go on there looking for a Kyler Murray gold vinyl out of five, Chances are it's not. That's only going to be the only one that that may be the only one that pops up for several years. If you think about it, these uh, these super high end collectors are putting them in their collection. And, uh, and you know, going back to base, yeah, we see a ton of transactions on them. We see a ton of transactions on base Donruss. We see a ton of transactions on base Prism. But those are are very iconic sets. Those are the main sets that kind of are the gold standard for the hobby. And it all depends on the price point you get in at. If you can get in on a base prism of a quarterback, running back, it doesn't matter what the position is, but if you can get in on on them at the low end of that tier, so like a quarterback, you can get in for you know $10 or $20 or even these super elite guys like uh, Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, even though they had a significant elevated print run on their base prism cards, if you can get in for 20 30 bucks. Man, that's a that's a good investment because because uh, base prism that's still the gold standard in the hobby. Absolutely. So understand that so much of what you do oftentimes comes down to your price point. But I am a believer, and you just know me personally, Andy, from when we talk. I am a believer in letting people know that numbered cards and just rarer cards are just better. They they just are, and I know you feel that way as well. There's some people out there that still prefer the base card, right? That's what they grew up on, right? Um, you know, the famous Mickey Mantle card isn't a numbered card per se. So, you know, a lot of people just grew up with not worrying about serial number, not worried about autos or patches or anything like that. I, I, I am the opposite. I, I do – you know, I'm building my my Tyron Matthew set right now. I'm I'm super collecting Tyron Matthew, and dude, when I see a serial number 32, you know the jersey number match, that's something else that you should look out for if you're buying. If you can get a good price on a on a jersey number match, that's always going to be something that excites collectors. And Andy, there, there's other things you can look out for uh, to to help you determine if a card really is rare or not. Yeah, and I I think this is perfect um, point to talk about non-rookie cards because, you know, look at Tyron Matthew, for example. He's a 2013 rookie. But if you were to find, Carter, a 2020 uh, serial number Tyron Matthew, maybe it's got gold on it. Maybe it's serial numbered out of 32. Would you be willing to pay an elevated amount for that card just just because of those factors, because of the rareness, yeah. because of the aesthetics of it and, and the little details around the serial number, right? I would. I would. So, for instance, I, I closed a big deal on um, uh, on a Tyron one-of-one, one, right, from his rookie year. Most excited I've ever 
gotten for a card. But uh, to sweeten the deal, I was able to negotiate and get a one out of 25 tie-dye Tyron Matthew in his Chiefs uniform, right? Because, you know, he played for the Cardinals, the Texans, and the Chiefs. So, you know, there's there's always going to be collectors out there like me that aren't just – I mean, I'm mostly interested in rookie cards, but people want cards of – other other players in different jersey numbers as well so you know here's a good here's a good example of it um and we we talked about this recently that guy roth cards right he made the most ridiculous trade i think i've ever seen on one of these card vlogs and he traded a jordan fleer he traded a uh russell uh i almost said russell shepherd a russell wilson uh rookie ticket auto he traded all of this for a Tom Brady one of one auto, but in his Tampa Bay uniform from 2020. And I was like, and and even you, Andy, were like, really? He traded all of that to get that card? It made no sense. I was like, what is he doing? Like that that's giving up way too much. And he gave two thousand dollars cash, I believe, on top of it. And guess what? He flipped that Tom Brady, because it was a one of one, because it was an auto, he flipped it. I don't know how much he flipped it, but you would you would have to think he flipped it for at least a, a decent amount on top of whatever the card trade-in was. And that's the thing. A Tom Brady super collector out there would want that one of one card uh, in his Tampa Bay uniform. So also keep in mind that even though it's not a huge thing, the rookie cards will always run the hobby, but players in new uniform cards are also something that you would have to take into the equation. So the more rare you card you have, the more leverage you have in card negotiations when you sell it, the more interested buyers. And look, the NFL, there's millions of fans out there that are fans of different players. There's always going to be a super Matt Stafford collector out there. There's all, even if he's not the most, you know, he's not a Tom Brady level player. So always understand that. I mean, it's tough. It's really hard to get one of ones. It's really hard to get gold cards. And look, you got to really scour. You can't just look at eBay. You can't just look at Comp C. You got to really put in the work uh, to, to find those cards. And, you know, some more often than not, Andy, even if you have to overpay just a little in the long term, it's just worth it because you know you have one of the rarest cards, which if you have a base card, it doesn't I, – I don't know, Andy. I don't feel the same special way when I have a base card. That's it, man. Co- collectors and investors, they want to feel like they've got something special. When you're really dedicated to a player uh, – whoever it is that you look up to in your sport, you want to have a card that is special. And so if you've got that and, and you can kind of control that little corner of the hobby, you can almost name your price. And we've, we've seen this happen over and over again, and that's where the best ROIs come from. So I would set your filters or, or, you know, check your filters to make sure they're not just set at rookie cards. And this is something that, I'm trying to get better at because I've been so focused on rookie cards, but now I'm understanding that it's about special. It's about scarcity and it's about, you know, putting myself in other people's shoes and thinking, you know, 
you know, the type of players and the different players that there's going to be super collectors for and why, and then looking at their whole gambit of cards across their, you know, the, all the sets of all the years available. And that, that really opens things up. And then you can find some cards going in auction that are super rare. They're going under value, but that's an immediate flip opportunity because you get it in auction at super low. You get it, you put that sucker in a one touch and list it in a buy it now format. And then, you know, you're looking at making some nice profit. Yeah. And and it's a balancing act, right? But, you know, obviously you, you, you look at rarity and all that stuff. And, you know, we've been talking about these two players every week now, uh, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. And it's very interesting. You know, they had the big Sunday night battle, but, you know, Josh Allen played the, the worst game of his career this past weekend against the Jaguars where they lost. I don't know if he was intimidated by the other Josh Allen. I don't know what exactly even happened. And then, of course, Patrick Mahomes, even though he won, he played very ugly. And then on the other end, you know, Jordan Love didn't really look all that great. He was probably discouraged. His mom, I don't know if you saw this, Andy, was sitting on the very top row. Are you kidding me? The, they, they sat for his NFL starting debut. They give Miss Love tickets on the very top row. But no it's interesting. It's it's interesting. Uh, a few of the quarterbacks in the hobby was there was there anything that really jumped out at you as far as uh, the QBs are concerned this past weekend? Well, yeah, uh, like you said, Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills had <laughs> the worst game of the year uh, for a QB this year, this past Sunday, and his base prism. We're talking about base cards. His base prism in a raw format is selling at two hundred dollars right now. Two hundred dollars in buy it now format auctions that were closing Sunday probably hopefully before that um, that game ended. But then you look at Lamar Jackson and his base prism is still selling around $70. And I'm like, this guy is so athletically gifted. You know, Baltimore Ravens are right there for first place in AFC North. Uh, I, I don't, I don't get it. I think his cars are undervalued and, and, oh, man. and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, this is the lowest I've seen Patrick Mahomes rookie card since almost getting into the hobby. Like when I got in, oh, in, yes. in April of 2020, they were at $25, $30 a piece for his base Donruss raw format. And, and then like quickly jumped up. I remember within a, a month or two. So last summer, like June, July, they were at 125, $150. Well, that's what they're at right now. That's what they're at right now. Carter, man. I'll, I'll never understand the Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen thing. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It really doesn't. I mean, we're talking about a quarterback that's already got an MVP, right? Uh, he's got a playoff win. Uh, I know he lost to Josh Allen in the playoffs, but it wasn't because of Josh Allen playing extraordinary. So, yeah, I mean, Josh Allen is obviously an elite talent. It's probably the most athletic quarterback in the league, not named Lamar Jackson. So it, it's, it's, it's very interesting. And, I, I, I go back to it, man. I would never – just to touch on base cards again. Man, there's so much you can't see by looking at an eBay photo, right, unless you are an expert. And some people are real experts at judging an eBay photo and seeing if there's blemishes on the card. I, I just if, – if we're talking raw cards, uh, raw base cards, I would never spend an extraordinary amount of money – on a base card unless I am at a show and I can see it myself. Now, 
this touches on another thing and this going to be and this wasn't part of our prep but this is a very important hobby tip of the day andy i have to reach out to you because you're better at looking at cards you're better at looking at the whites on the corners the edges i'm not that great at it i i'm admittedly not that great at it it takes a while to understand what a good raw card looks like if you're just now getting into it man i I would I would stay away from buying a Patrick Mahomes raw card for seven hundred, eight hundred dollars, whatever you can get it at now, because man, it, it it's it's a little bit different than when you buy a slab where the grade is a grade, right, Andy? Uh, very true. And so that's a perfect tip that you were that you kind of alluding to is if you are going to buy a raw card like this. Do your best to find one in a graded format, even if it's a nine. That's fine because the difference between nines and tens are very minute surface details. And if you can compare the picture of the raw card to the picture of the PSA nine and match them up, now 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 you know you kind of what you're looking for. You know, you're if you can find the same card in a raw format and a PSA nine, you know, or PSA ten, even better. And, and compare them with each other. Now, all of a sudden, you can see what you're looking, what you want to look for in that raw card. And also understand that a lot of modern cards, they have a pretty good gem rate. So, you know, it's really important to look at the corners, the edges, the centering, and the surface. Uh, but most of the cards today, like modern cards, you're not going to find like trimming issues to where, you know, people were filing on one of the sides to make it centered like they did with. They did with a lot of older vintage cards. So that's not a huge concern. The big concern today in modern cards is like print defects, surface issues. Panini's notorious for printing like little dimples in the surface of cards around the print lines where they have etching and stuff like that. And so there's big differences in the way they're manufactured. They're not all manufactured the same. Their quality control is not that great. Do not count on no. Panini to manufacture you a PSA 10 card. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with all of it. And this would also be one more thing on the base thing that would uh, look. So most people watching this aren't like just brand new. You're kind of in it and you kind of know like the big price difference between a PSA 9 and a PSA 10. But let's just say you don't know anything about cards and you walked up to someone and you handed them without with blocking the grade out and you, you hand them the card and – you say, hey, tell me the difference between – tell me which one is the 9 and tell me which one is the 10. Heck, you could be an expert and you not know the difference. You you could get it wrong. I saw Sports Car Anonymous do it. I've just seen it just in, in general. So that's something else about a base card is, I mean, if you want such you know long-term value and you want to get it graded, there is so much more power in the hands of the grader and other factors you can't control – Whereas, you know, if you have a one of one or, you know, like the Kyler Murray, because it was a PSA 10, it did sell for more. But the real reason why that card sold for so much, I would argue, is because of the scarcity. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's just another factor that you can control. Right. And there's very few things you can control in this hobby. And when you get a numbered card and when you get a rare card, it does give you, once again, a little bit more leverage in negotiations. It does give you a little bit more of a reassurance that you actually do have something truly special. So, you know, it's just one more thing. Now, Andy, the hobby tip of the day, uh, the real one, 
that we talked about beforehand is looking at release dates, right? It's very simple. You can go to Cardboard Connection, Steel City Collectibles. There are so many different ways. All you got to do is Google sports card release dates, and there are some very interesting product release dates. Yes, yes, I just found. So this is something we've been checking out every week. And today, I've just noticed now, we've got release dates for XR and Mosaic. And so XR is scheduled to be released on November 24th. I believe that's Thanksgiving, right, Carter? Yeah, I, I, or the day before, either one. The day before. So Thanksgiving uh, uh, XR, which is, you know, it's not a bad set. I definitely think there's some collectors and that are, that are you know, high on XR. It's not bad, especially the, the rare stuff. There's a lot of different RPA. You see some logo patch stuff in XR. So some very interesting stuff. The hobby boxes are on pre-sale right now for $399.95. That's not terrible. And then we've also got a release date for Mosaic. So this is big because we've been questioning whether or not Mosaic's coming back this year. It's coming back. It's it's expected to be released on December 22nd in retail stores everywhere. Right before Christmas. Are you kidding? Hitting me. And if you go to our YouTube page, Football Cards Collecting and Investing, make sure you subscribe. You can actually see the images of some of these uh, mosaic releases. And, you know, it, it looks okay. This is the first I, I've seen them. Uh, I can't wait to see what Prism and all that's going to look like. So, yeah, man. So make sure uh, you, you check all that out, man. Look at that straight at that. flyer mosaic gold and you gotta freaking love it so you know mosaic obviously is the 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 bigger product of these two uh so yeah that's interesting and we would andy i think you would guess that mosaic is for sure going to release before you know some of the bigger brands which obviously or or the more bigger sets which will be prism optic and um select so mosaic is uh, uh the first one it's kind of an interesting design man yeah i'm looking at these base cards right here is a very uh ge- they're gone with the geometrical theme again and and all, all the base cards are color match which you know a lot of people like mosaic for that reason i like 2020 mosaic it just got <laughs> you know it, it fell it fell down in the you know hierarchy of of set collectability because of the number of sets that were released after it. Um, yeah. And, but th- but this year's design is interesting. That's a uh, pentagon, as a pen or a hexagon. Oh come on, Andy! You, you're reach, you're asking an LSU journalism grad with a two point seven GPA what what shapes are really, Andy? It's six really? sides. So that's a pentagon. No, a pentagon is five sides. Five <laughs> sides is a pentagon. Six six is a hexagon, right? Hexagon. hexagon. There we go. I know eight. I know eight's an octagon. <laughs> yeah, because UFC. Yeah, octagon. But uh, no, 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 I got it. So a pentagon is five sides. Okay, so the Washington D.C. building. Then hexagon is six, and I think seven is heptagon. Right. This is the hard hitting card analysis that you get here on the quest cast. But still, the designs are really, really cool. So the big takeaway is make sure you check release dates because um, th- that does affect prices. Right. 
Uh, it, it really does because, you know, the Trevor Lawrence Jaguar rookie cards that are out now, such as Certified, got a shout out Heroes for Sale. He believes Certified in the long term. We'll touch on this a little bit uh, longer on a fewer on, a, on an episode, Heroes for, Heroes for Sale, a really good hobby channel. Um, good friend of mine, Adam, makes an interesting point about certified in that a lot of their cards are numbered. So he thinks maybe down the road that those cards will be worth a little bit more than what they are now. But still, uh, you know, certified's already out. But here's the thing. If you are holding certified rookies, once Mosaic comes out, the Trey Lance certified card that you might have, the Zach Wilson certified card you might have, whoever you have, it's just not going to be worth this much. Right, Andy? Especially if it's base. Mm. Because the demand is going to shift to, the high-end demand is going to shift to the, the new product. That That's just how it works. You know, we want the, the new hot thing, especially whenever it's what everybody knows as the gold standard in the hobby whenever that prism is finally released and the optic is finally released and then the select is finally released uh, and national treasures. They typically national treasures is like the cream of the crop, you know, uh, in terms of RPA. So um, those are, those are some huge sets that still have not yet been announced when they're going to be released. And when those do, I kind of like to buy these other sets. Like I'll be, I'll be having my, eyes on you know certified number because all their parallels and all their rpas are all serial numbered there's several one ones of ones in that set and i will be looking at those while everybody else is trying to get the new hot thing that's kind of my strategy that's mine too right so kind of be a set after the fact right don't rush unless once again this has always been my rule if i can find a box or a, a, a cello pack, whatever you want to call it, blaster, hanger. If I could get it at retail, I'm going to buy it, right? It's always a good uh. thing. But I'm not going to buy it for the resale price. It just doesn't make sense. They'll, they'll always go down, unless, of course, it's Prism because it's just such a gold set that has really big-time long-term value as far as wax is concerned. So I, I would always uh, work a set behind unless you could just get it retail right off the line, which once again, has been increasingly rare. It's really, really hard to do. So um, always keep that in mind when it comes to new releases, because the price is always going to be the highest uh, when the cards are are released. So uh, that's obviously very important. Now, Andy, as we wrap up this episode, before we get in our play of the day, you've been killing it on the YouTube channel, posting out some really good content. Is there anything else that you've seen in the hobby over the past week or so uh, that has really stood out to you? Oh, man. that um, Oh, man. We've, we've talked about some really, really good topics today, really important topics, you know. And I'm excited to hear the play. I, I know Odell Beckham Jr., is getting ready to go to somebody like you talked about at the beginning of the show, whether it's the Green Bay Packers or the Seattle Seahawks or the Kansas City Chiefs. Who knows? I don't know, man. But he's getting ready to go somewhere within the next day or two. So I would think this is like the end of the line. If you want to try and buy low on Odell Beckham to flip, like an immediate flip, you may still be able to do that in some auctions that are closing right now, some listings, buy it now listings, stuff like that. Um, because we know we're going to see a demand spike. As I think it's almost guaranteed we'll see a demand spike when he is signed by 
one of those big name teams. Play of the day. So my play of the day is I'm going to wait a week or so to see what actually happens with Odell prices. And I know this because I have a lot of Odells. I mean, I have a fresh face rookie. Uh, I have the silver prism. I just have a lot of Odell and I bought all of it uh, in a really cheap lot um, about a year ago. So I got all the uh, probably 10 prism Odell's for about 60 bucks. Right. And I might sell the silver prism for that price uh, before this. So that would obviously be a good move, right? And I just knew this because I knew how popular Odell is and how many fans he has out there. That doesn't mean he's necessarily a good wide receiver. We don't know that at this point. So my play of the day sometimes comes down to it doesn't matter how good a player might actually be. It's what his hype could potentially be. So Even though last week we recorded the emergency episode on your main channel and I said I'm a little skeptical of Michael Thomas's future, I got to shout out J.J. Bama, right, who said, heck yeah, when Michael Thomas goes to a new team, the hype is going to be ridiculous. And I agree. In the episode, I kind of was like, no, I don't know if I want to do Michael Thomas or whatever. I actually agree with that. And if the Odell prices do what they can do – There's no reason to think that Michael Thomas can't do the same. And you have to think this through, Andy, from a just a football fan. The likelihood that Michael Thomas returns to the Saints next year is going to be probably low. I think they'll work something out to where he can go to a new team. I don't know if the relationship is going to be repaired. I don't know if playing with Jameis Winston is something that's really going to excite them. And one thing that excites fans are trades. So uh, let's just say Michael Thomas this offseason goes to the Kansas City Chiefs. Are you kidding me? Do you know what his prices would do? It would go to the moon. It really would. So that will be my play of the day. I would wait to see if Odell prices do actually just go crazy. And then I would find that next wide receiver. I think that could move and that could be Michael Thomas. That could be Allen Robinson. That could be anyone really. So that would be my play of the day for today. Hmm. I like it, man. I like it. I'm going to, I'm going to go back even further, even more an older wide receiver than that. I was actually, uh, I've got a couple guys in mind. This is something that I also think about when, a lot of people are distracted and their eyes are drawn to these players that are breaking out. Like Nick Chubb just had a big, big uh, week and James Conner and uh, a couple other quarterbacks. And like Justin Fields is the best he's ever looked uh, last night on Monday Night Football against the Steelers. And I'm going to the guys that were have been out the last couple weeks with injuries, but that are on big teams with big quarterbacks that are definitely going to be in the playoffs. And the first guy that jumps out at me is DeAndre Hopkins from the Arizona Cardinals, 2013 rookie DeAndre Hopkins, incredible knack for uh, catching the ball in the end zone. And I mean, making huge plays. Uh, I love that guy's story and everything about him. And he's a 2013 rookie, just like Taron Matthew. That was the first year that select was manufactured. And I love that 2013 select product. Um, I, I see a closed auction here that was just a few weeks ago for DeAndre Hopkins. It's a select gold numbered out of 10 that closed for $650. And I almost think like that person probably made a good investment. I know it sounds expensive, yeah. but 
that card is probably going to go up in value over the course of the next couple of years. Our hobby continues to grow. So there, as new people get in, they quickly discover, you know, this fondness for these super rare cards. Um, and, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, I love the everything about his his collectability, his investment factor. And, and I'm perfectly fine with investing in base 2013 selects, 2013 select hot rookies. I love that insert from 2013 as well. And I think they're all undervalued for him. And, and auctions ending this week, last week, are have been going a little bit undervalued from what they were at previously. I like it. Uh, you know, I'm a Hopkins guy, big time, man. I, man, shoot. There's so many. Uh, we, we brought his name up a few times on this channel. There's so many cool Hopkins and Julio Jones cards that I see like on Planet Fatness channel. I, I mean, I just see it. I mean, they, they look cool. Uh, they, uh, and both of those guys are going to probably be in the Hall of Fame as well. So that's something else that's very interesting about those two players in particular. Shout out to uh, 402 Collectibles, Andy. He was uh, one of the patrons that really, you know, inspired our base, you know, card episode. And uh, shout out to him and shout out to all the patrons and tell people how they can sign up for the Patreon. Yeah, man. Patreon.com slash football cards is the best way to show your support uh, for this show. We're a fully independent show, so we really appreciate all your support over there and, and helping us grow this. Um, and, and every week we're putting out bonus content, the Auction Sniper article every Friday. I'm getting ready to do the November's giveaway. And so that's like, that's like 40 to $50 in cards right there that I give away to one of the lucky patrons. And it's still a small group right now. So when you sign up for the premier uh, tier, you get six, I think it's seven, actually seven entries into that giveaway. The field level tier gets 20 entries into that giveaway. And so that's just, you know, one of the aspects. Plus, we've got the Discord, which, I mean, we're, we're making money off of the information that we're sharing between each other in the Discord. And we have so many different channels and it's, it's, it's really active. Uh, so you can check it out all there. Yeah, and uh, that's, all, that's, all, that's all you got to do, man. So make sure you check out Fantasy Football Card Quest YouTube channel and uh, like, subscribe. Shout out to Jared, one of my Power Hour LSU folks that have come over and starting to get into football cards. So that's obviously really cool, man. And until next week, man, as we always say, baby, peace it up. Let's go. Peace. Hey, you're going to text me, right, if you find some uh, retail product. No, I'm not. No, I'm kidding. You know, I, I'm gonna, I, if I find, you know, what's funny is I, I, I went to uh, I went to the store recently and I found one box of optic NBA and I regret buying this. You, you, I'm, I'm serious. And, and I, I know we've are one more little nugget here at the end uh, that we should include about the retail stuff is. Retail football boxes are going to be up. They're, they they just are. The prices have already gone up. I remember going to the store and um, I just did a price check on a WNBA box. And I, I like the WNBA Prism products. I, I think they really do look cool. Um, but I, I did a price scan on it. And the for one WNBA blaster, after tax and all of that, it came out to like $37 for one blaster 
uh, of WNBA. And that is absurd. So make sure you keep an eye out on that. But of course, Andy, I'm going to text you and send you a retail box, baby. Let's go. Let's go. I don't, I don't know a single WNBA player. <laughs> Peace.